we mean when we talk about popular power? In simple terms, it is the self-organization of revolutionary subjects in all its expressions, where a power outside of and separate from the bourgeois state is developed and exercised. When it comes to Venezuela and Chavismo, the mainstream media always centered its focus on Chavez and Maduro, this or that thing that the government did or didn't do. But the Bolivarian process has seen constant efforts by the organized masses to build popular power. Chavez himself was a great promoter of new forms of bottom-up organization, trying different models until reaching the commune, which was described as the unit cell for the construction of socialism in Venezuela. Understandably, much of the attention tends to focus on the efforts by imperialism to pursue regime change in Venezuela. Arguably, the primary contradiction in projects like these is between national liberation and imperialism. But even under these circumstances, these conditions of duress, popular power is being created. The tremendous obstacles that the poor and working class activists are facing does make organizing more difficult, but also all the more inspirational. Welcome to the new Venezuela Analysis Podcast. I'm your host, Jose Luis Granado Ceja. The Venezuela Analysis Podcast brings independent, on-the-ground, English-language coverage of Venezuela and the Bolivarian process. You'll hear news and in-depth analysis about the country, as well as coverage of leftists and grassroots forces. In this episode of the podcast, we will look at the building of popular power under duress in Venezuela, the struggles that grassroots organizations have faced to uphold the socialist project under a severe economic crisis and a U.S. blockade. On today's program, we have the privilege of speaking with Jesus Garcia, a young community leader for the Altos de Lidice Socialist Commune in Caracas, Venezuela. But first, a conversation between Venezuela Analysis Editor Cira Pascua Marquina and I about the state of popular power today in Venezuela. I'm joined today by Cira. She is a member of the team here at Venezuela Analysis and is the author with Chris Gilbert of Venezuela, The Present as Struggle. And Cira joins me today to talk about popular power in Venezuela under the Bolivarian Revolution. Cira is an expert on the issue, having visited many of the expressions of popular power in Venezuela, the communes, the process of construction that Venezuelans are engaged in as part of the revolutionary transformation of Venezuela. But the topic of popular power is often one that isn't talked a lot about by mainstream media outlets. In fact, whenever they talk about Venezuela, it seems like the conversation, even in a, in amongst alternative media, centers around the government did this, Maduro said that, the U.S. said this, and there's an element of the political struggle that I feel is lost. There was a number of years there where Chavez talked about comuna a nada, right? Commune or nothing. Is that project still alive? Well, Jose Luis, uh, I think that what you said in the beginning is really critical, really important. It is, well, um, the construction of communes goes on and it's going, it's happening every day and we'll go more in depth about it. Um, it's true that generally the construction of popular power and people's voices are not being heard today. So I think that this is very important. It's very important that on this podcast, uh, we have decided, you decided to go on the topic of popular power, in other words, of bringing the people of the, the voices of the people forward. So uh, going back to your question, um, are communes, is popular power, have, are there 
expressions of popular power uh, happening in Venezuela, yes. Actually, I would say that uh, surprisingly, the la during the last few years, uh, communal organization, which has faced, of course, many, many problems and many challenges with uh, crisis and also, of course, with the sanctions, uh, but the expressions of communal organization are actually consolidating and growing in the last few years. So, uh, while it would be not correct to say that the whole country, that the whole of Venezuela is organizing communes, that actually would be a gross misrepresentation, but the communes that exist and the spaces of popular power, of organized popular power that existed prior to the crisis have been growing in the last years. And actually they show that it is possible to go forward with the project, with the emancipatory project that Chavez proposed to come in toward socialism in this very difficult situation. So yes, I would say uh, communes are alive and well, even if undoubtedly the current circumstances are rather difficult. Yeah, and that's exactly what I wanted to get into. You know, the word that I use is duress, right? There, There is a process of transformation, of revolutionary struggle, but it is happening under conditions of duress. We know that imperialism has been effective in many ways in, in weakening the power of the state, in weakening the ability of people to be able to have the time, the energy, the calories to participate in the construction of popular power. But Nonetheless, we know it exists. You know, it, it is happening. I was reading some of the coverage that we've done, and there's this beautiful story of the efforts in Altos de Lidice of of seeing the need for medical attention, the fact that the conditions of duress that the country is in make it difficult to be able to rely on the existing state. And so they came up with this idea of creating the, the communal pharmacy. What other examples have you seen that are things you wish that people knew about? You know, what are the examples that the whole world, and especially the left that is looking for solutions to the crisis of capitalism today, knew about that's happening for real right now in Venezuela? I would like to talk about a couple of examples of organization and of construction in the current situation of the rest. But before that, I would like to mention something. And that's that the communes are actually spaces of self-determination, of self-management spaces where the construction of a new society begins to take shape on the territory, on some, let's say, on a defined territory, perhaps on a territory where there are 3,000 or 5,000 families, they all get together and they organize communally in a direct democracy process that reorganizes, as I said before, both the society politically and economically. For instance, in El Maizal commune, which is a commune that uh, is, uh, well, perhaps the best known commune in Venezuela, uh, in, in, in El Maizal commune, they have started to uh, work together with the small producers in terms of offering the small producers the seeds and the other implements that they need to produce. And the commune itself right now has a network of stores where they sell, but uh, prices much below the market price. They sell uh, what they produce and what these small producers are uh, producing. So uh, we see in this way that there's a cooperation, a very rich cooperation between the commune itself, which is not a small commune, and the small producers in the area. 
and that has actually increased the production in Lara, in the area where the commune is. So that's one example. But there's another example that I also find really fascinating, which is in the Che Guevara commune in Merida. In the Che Guevara commune in Merida, this is a commune that mostly produces uh, cocoa and coffee. And this commune has developed um, currency that's called el cafeto, the coffee something, um, and uh, basically the coffee tree. And uh, this currency actually is tender in the area where this where the coffee is being produced in the area of the commune. In other words, producers will put together, will, will uh, bring their production to the spaces of the commune and the retribution will be in this tender that is actually emitted by the commune. So in this way, in a context where actually getting, um, in a context like ours, we're actually getting currency, you know, like money that's actually tangible, is very difficult. This has been a very creative and actually very um, radical way of reorganizing the economy at the local level. But in addition to that, I want to say something else. Oftentimes, it seems uh, when we talk about communes that communes are something like really, you know, like something that will yield results in the faraway future. And as it turns out, I know many communes and the communes in Caracas, in, in the rural areas that I, that I know, all these communes are actually offering real, um, real alternatives to people, not, in, not only in economic and political terms, but also, for instance, to give you an example, right now, uh, getting medicines in Venezuela because of the sanctions is really difficult. Well, some of these communes have actually an economic muscle and they actually offer support to the families in the territory to get medicines, etc. So um, this is actually a very common practice amongst communes, like other com another commune that's important here in Caracas, which is in 23 de Enero. And this commune, the, uh, this commune actually is also projecting a new health center and is offering support, medical support to many people. So there are actually, not only are the communes an alternative uh, to the disaster and the chaos that capitalism offers with or without sanctions, of course, capitalism with, with sanctions is all that much worse, but they actually, um, yeah, they, they offer very specific solutions to very real problems that people face in the in the present time. Yeah, it seems with so many challenges facing the country right now that there would be more of an emphasis on the solutions that are coming from the grassroots, from these expressions of popular power. But as both you and I know, the strategy of the Maduro government has been to make concessions, and it's made a lot of concessions to capital. Now, we should be clear, this is happening as a result of the the attacks of imperialism, but nonetheless, that is the reality in the country. And so that, that brings me to, to our final piece of, of conversation. We know that building dual power is difficult in the best of times. So with this situation, with the pressures brought about by imperialism, with the concessions that the government is carrying out as a result, is a clash between 
the expressions of popular power and the state coming, or has it happened already? Well, that's a, a good question. Basically, I, th I would say that in any revolution or in any process of change, there is always internal class struggle. Um, whatever the conditions may be, there's always internal class struggle. And that's something that, I mean, actually makes revolutions dynamic. And um, it's something that we should not be... Uh, we should not be reticent to recognize, no? So there's always been class struggle within the Bolivarian process. And there's always been tendencies that have been more statist. And there's been tendencies that have been more inclined to towards popular power, like Chavez himself always, or almost always sided with popular power. There's been uh, tendencies that have favored, let's say more social democratic channel for Venezuela's economy, and there have been more radical and rupturist uh, tendencies, which generally have come from below, from the communes or from the popular organization. So these tensions have always existed. I would say that one of the interesting things about the Bolivarian process is that it resolved very well this tension during many years, these tensions between the state and popular power were resolved in favor generally of popular power. Um, with Chavez, uh, it would be ingenious to imagine that with Chavez there weren't contradictions. Of course, there were contradictions. But in the work that it takes to resolve uh, contradictions, generally the solution that would, that would come about would be in favor of popular power. Now, uh, certainly since, uh, since the sanctions were imposed, the sanctions generate a new situation, a new situation, political situation internally. And I think I would dare to say that the government has taken a more pragmatic path. And a pragmatic path in a society, in a world of capitalist hegemony is a pro-capitalist uh, path. So it is, I think it is correct to say that the government when faced with this, with this pressure has opted for a pragmatic more pro-capitalist path. But uh, then there are these expressions of popular power and they are here to stay. And the people of Venezuela and the Chavista people of Venezuela are really committed to both popular power and the construction of an alternative society. So if you take into account that there's these two, that we could say these two large tendencies right now, one which is more pragmatic and one which is more committed to popular power, then yes, we can say that there is a precarious situation of dual power, precarious particularly for the popular power side in this uh, duality. No? At the same time, I can see that many of the communes, the communes that actually survived, and we should recognize that some communes actually didn't survive the uh, the situation, but the communes that survive are actually growing. There is one very interesting thing, which is the common art union, that is uh, this space where different communes are coming together. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll finish here, but one, one thing that's important about the common art union is that Chavez always say that communes should not be islands in an ocean or in a sea of capitalism, because then they wouldn't flourish and they wouldn't uh, they wouldn't, an alternative wouldn't come out of them. 
the common art union is something that's only emerged in the last two years. So that's really hopefully in the last two years is the first time in the you know since the com since the project of the communes began around 2009, it's only been in the last two years that we have seen the different communes actually coming together in a space that both proposes an alternative in economic terms because they are linking each other and they are helping each other out, but they are also, you know, standing tall for the for the communal alternative. In other words, for popular power. So yeah, it's dual power. It's certainly complex in any in any context. Uh, perhaps the situation right now is even more precarious. But it's also I am actually hopeful even though I'm at the same time concerned. I think we do. We need to always uh, hold out that hope. And I think, you know, any good Marxist knows that irreconcilable contradictions eventually have to be resolved. So we may not be necessarily in that situation where there is a contradiction between dual power and the state presently, but that situation could come. You know, you mentioned the communal project that's in construction. That is exciting. And I do think that people who are interested in learning about that, I invite them to please always follow our coverage here at Venezuela Analysis. As you know, one of our emphasis has always been on trying to bring the voices of the grassroots to an English-speaking audience. So we've been speaking with Sira Pascual Marquina. She's the author, together with Chris Gilbert of Venezuela, The Present as Struggle, which obviously also talks a lot about the issues that we just had a short conversation about and I invite our readers to also look into that book. Sierra, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Jose Luis. Los consejos comunales, las comunas no pueden ser apéndice de gobernaciones ni del ministerio ni del ministerio de las comunas ni del presidente Chávez ni de nadie. Son del pueblo, son creación de las masas, son de ustedes. Why is it important to talk about the communal project in Venezuela as an expression of popular power? It is impossible to replace capitalism without popular power. As we heard in the conversation with Sita, the communal project is alive and well. We would be well served by looking at the experiences of the working class in the communes of Venezuela. Imperialism targets the people of Venezuela not only because the Bolivarian Revolution is a threat to neoliberal hegemony, but because they know that the country is full of millions of revolutionaries, people who understand their role as political protagonists, as revolutionary subjects who can bury capitalism. What do these efforts at building popular power teach us about the precarious nature inherent to a situation of dual power? How have communards opted to relate to the state? What solutions outside the structure of the state have organizers been able to develop in order to attend to the material needs of the population? To begin to address these questions, we will hear from Jesus Garcia, parliamentary spokesperson for the Altos de Lidese Socialist Commune. Jesus talks to us about the effort to create the commune, his own experience as an organizer, and the effort to build popular power in the shadow of the bourgeois state. What is a commune in the Venezuelan context, and how was the commune in Altos de Lidese born? Bueno, una comuna no es más que una conceptualización muy básica. Well, in a very basic conception, a commune is nothing more than the integration of organized communities in order to find solutions to their own problems. Now, if we go a step forward, for example, we would say that a commune is formed first and foremost by communal councils, which are kind of micro-governments where people can democratically choose their spokesmen and women. Micro-governments that can group 150 to 600 families, 
That is the rough range of families that can be organized in what's known as a communal council. The people, through their communal council, elected spokespeople for health care, communal economy, finance, comptrolling, sports, leisure, etc. Everything that exists in a given community. So all these things are represented in the communal council. And what's beautiful is that people elect their spokespeople, as well as alternates, for each of those areas. To sum up, a communal council brings together this group of families. They begin by setting up what's known as a preliminary committee, which defines how the communal council is going to organize and its scope from this street to that street. It's going to have this many families, it's going to have this name chosen by the community. All these decisions are taken in assemblies. From there, we go to the democratic process of electing spokespeople and then registering the communal council at the Ministry of Communes. Since there's a legal framework set up for these processes under the Communal Council Organic Law, the very constitution of the Bolivarian Republic of Venezuela lays the groundwork for setting up these popular government instances, beginning with the Communal Council. Now, to build a commune, the Communal Councils that are close to each other have the possibility of organizing a referendum to approve the so-called Foundational Charter, a kind of constitution for this territory. So the people run this referendum in each territory, in each communal council, to decide whether they want to be part of this proposed commune. In other words, if they want to come together to have a greater impact, a larger scope of action, more possibilities to address their issues, plus the commune has another side to it. People decide to constitute a commune when the opportunities, weaknesses, cultural elements, geographic characteristics, social elements, economic elements, etc. are similar in each of the neighboring territories. This similarity then has people weighing the creation of a foundational charter and then join or form a commune. So that's the commune construction in a nutshell. Afterwards, after having its constitution, the commune moves to elect its bodies democratically, what we call the commune instances. So the commune has its parliament. The commune has its communal economic council, its health care council, etc. Who takes part? Well, each and every spokesperson elected by their communal councils only take part in these responsibilities that just concern their communal councils. Besides being spokespeople for their communal councils, they take part in these political councils that are a kind of ministry, if we can call it that way. What kind of ministry? One that exercises power in the territory, be that in the framework of self-management, self-government, while also coordinating with constituted powers, the national government, regional governments, etc. Now, our commune has a very special characteristic. Most Venezuelan communes were born in 2006, 2007, 2008, 09, 2010, even 2011 and 2012. Of course, years when President Hugo Chavez was alive. Under Chavez, Venezuela was one of the most prosperous countries in the continent. We were not facing this aggression from the United States and the European Union against our economy and all aspects of our social life. Also, oil prices were high, and there was a significant flow of money into the country. There were major construction projects. People had a very good living. What did this mean? Well, under these conditions, Communal construction at this time, there was the utopia that the communal state would really take off. Lots of communes were born in this context. And furthermore, they had all the resources and state support to develop great projects, right? We began after all that had passed and right in the middle of the U.S. blockade. 
De Altos de Lidice Socialist Commune was born three years ago in the northern part of Venezuela's capital city of Caracas in a parish that is called La Pastora, in a sector that is called Lidice in honor of the Czech town that was destroyed by the Nazis in the 1940s, if I'm not mistaken. So the community in Altos de Lidice after many years, decided to set up communal councils in many sectors. In others, they already existed. So they ran the referendum to constitute the Altos de Lidice commune. It's a commune that was born in a war context, in the context of a blockade where, above all else, survival is the goal. And it has not been easy to do politics in Venezuela in this context. Even less so to build parallel state that is the communal state, to build constituent power. But still, we have not used any excuses to stop fighting like we do. Being modest, this is our project, our project of a commune, which has managed to become a reference, a humble reference of what an urban commune should be, how self-government should run, how to generate policies out of self-management, how to integrate all the popular expressions that exist in the territory, understanding that we have the local supply and production committees, we have the people who belong to the United Socialist Party of Venezuela or other parties, even the people that perhaps are more tied to cultural or sports activities, etc. Different expressions of popular power, each of them has a place in its committee through its spokespeople to make sure that the work of the Altos de Lidice Commune can continue to move forward amidst the blockade. Not just that, but also pushing everything that can be an example of self-government. To this day, in these three years, we have managed to build three pillars, which are organization, self-government in what concerns the ability to plan actions from popular power, always consulting the assemblies, everything that has to do with health care and social services, since this is one of our key policies. Moreover, our communal health care system is autonomous, self-managed. On the economic front, we have four socially owned enterprises managed by the people themselves, by the community, and which generate resources. Not just for each worker, each comrade to have decent resources to survive, but they also generate income for the communal bank. This is another instance where we have developed social policies, political initiatives, sports, as well as invested in economic projects in production, etc. There are many activities that are going on that give an example of what a self-government should be, and even more so in times of war and blockade. You, as a young person, why did you decide to get involved in this project for building popular power? In my case, I'm a young person. I'm involved in everything to do with building popular power. That's because, putting aside idealism and ideology, I think the commune represents the future. I think the world, the planet, has been teaching us that there needs to be another way of living on the planet. Capitalism is not the way to go. Rather, it is capitalism precisely that has created this level of destruction of the planet. Therefore, when we're told no other system is possible, that's wrong. Because if no other system is possible, we're doomed. Should we all just accept that we'll die? Because what's the future under this capitalist system? It's a big question mark. It's very uncertain to live under capitalism because of the devastation we see all around. And now with a pandemic, it's terrifying. As a young person, I look at the future and it doesn't look good. I still have a long road ahead of me, but I'm scared, frightened to think about the future for my children or even grandchildren if I get to have them. When we realize what we can build when organized as a community, what we can achieve when equals get together, 
What we can achieve when as equals we understand that with proper planning and maximizing use of resources in an efficient way, fighting against corruption, we realize that we can achieve great things, and these great things become a reality. Our guiding principle is that we are the ones who want to preserve the planet, whatever the cost. That we are the ones that can generate better living conditions for the poor. We are the ones who can make communities realize that the more we participate, the bigger the achievements for everyone. So I fell in love with the project. I fell in love also because of the way in which Chavez proposed it. Not just that, but also everything we've developed in Antos de Lidice, which has been a school for me. And so I think seeing the example is the starting point. And the beautiful things we have achieved when we get together, when we got organized, when we planned and put those plans in action, when we had accountability and we supervised everything that was done. We have no choice but to love the community and to defend it like we would life itself. In other occasions, you have said there are difficulties, tensions, contradictions with elements of the ruling United Socialist Party, with the government and other institutions. What are the challenges for this effort to build popular power in this moment where there is less emphasis and support for the communes? Bueno, mira, creo que una revolución para hacer revolución tiene que haber contradicciones, ¿no? I think a revolution, if it is a true revolution, will have to face contradictions. Otherwise, we're not really moving forward. If we all agree on something and there's no criticism, no self-criticism concerning what we're doing, we could be fooling ourselves and eventually undermining the project. So these tensions arise like you point out. They arise in the process of constructing something new and they are healthy. Tensions are a healthy sign because building something new warrants them. That's why we're always active in the debate of ideas. At the end of the day, many discussions are more of form than substance. We all understand that socialism must be built in the territory. As Chavez made clear, socialism won't be built out of thin air. And President Nicolás Maduro has been clear about it too. Socialism must be a territorial endeavor, and the construction of territorial socialism is based on doing it from the communal councils and communes. So these contradictions are always there. They are part of the struggle at the end. With these contradictions, every day we fight for what a true revolution in the 21st century means. In my case, I'm a member of the United Socialist Party of Venezuela. Right now I'm running for councillor in the Libertador municipality in Caracas, precisely through the PSUV platform. We had primary elections in which many people took part. For example, in my commune, my name was put forward by the communities. I was fielded as a candidate, we secured the nomination, and then won in the primary process. In other words, the commune is connected to the United Socialist Party of Venezuela in the big picture. In other words, we are not separate elements. Now perhaps we need to look for ways to be more cohesive, to be more coherent when it comes to large-scale strategic plans, more coherent in what regards the construction of socialism at the territorial level. I think we can do better on this. I'm sure we can do better, and that's part of the challenge we are facing in the coming years. How we manage between the party, social movements, and the communes themselves to build a government concept in which the communes bring together all these movements. And the party is nothing more than the political arm that will bring together all the militancy, all the activists. Every activist inside the commune should find their place, find where they fit best. I think the challenge right now is to show that the commune is the space where we can prosper together, a space where all forces have a role to play. Show that the communes are the spaces from which to build the future, 
show that the communes are spaces where efficiency and effectiveness are possible, because it's the government by the people, and people care about their own management. They care about the place where they belong, and think this is a symbolic battle. We will win it as long as communes manage to build a conscience that this is possible. But furthermore, that they have to be ready to do what needs to be done, to handle the situations where tensions arise and things get tougher. The situation grows tense because the war we're facing naturally also has direct repercussions in people's spirits, and also in the way some people or comrades inside state institutions will act. It's down to us to show more, to work harder, prove ourselves, and become the example of what we want for the country. That's why I'm always proud of what we're doing at Altos de Lidice. As I said in the beginning, false modesty aside, this is one of our main goals, demonstrating that the commune is the government of the future because it generates the efficiency and effectiveness that people want to see, especially in times where resources are scarce and need to be maximized. No one is better qualified than the organized people to manage resources to assume the shortcomings we might have and turn them into strengths. So, to conclude, these tensions are to be expected in the historical moment the revolution is going through. I think, little by little, we will overcome them with the impulse from the communes. We don't romanticize the communal process. We understand that we need to govern in favor of the majority and that we can set an example at all times, not just in words, but also in deeds. The communal health system in Altos del Irice is spoken about as an example of how popular power can respond to the needs of the people. What needs to happen so that, in these times of crisis and economic blockade, the efforts to build popular power are replicated and the material conditions of the people improve? One thing I've been saying, and I think it must be understood, because it's an important point. The people who built this city, where do they live? The people who work in the hospitals, the people who work in the city center, where do they live? in the affluent east of Caracas or in popular neighborhoods. They live in the poorer neighborhoods in what we call the barrio. They live here and tell us that there's every possibility of taking these territories to a new level of organization, a new level of management. We do this precisely by giving the people the tools they need for this organization to be efficient and effective. In our case, if at some point there's a shortage of nurses, we go out and search for nurses, right here in the community. When we were missing doctors, we looked for them inside the community. The same holds true for when we've needed engineers, architects, plumbers, drivers. We can find it all inside the community. The reserve for the future is this possibility, that efficiency and effectiveness are made possible in an organized community. This is the solution. This is the solution. And if it can't be found in the community, you can find it in a nearby community. And this in turn gives us a chance to think about a communal city. In other words, the seed for a new society is right there, right there in the community. So what needs to happen? I think a first step is evaluating each territory and territorializing policies. We need to realize that only taking policies to the territory with planning a deep planning down to the smallest detail and the smallest resource, and bringing the quality that can be provided by the professionals that live in these communities, we can drive these policies forward through the communes. We have the possibility of improving people's living conditions. Moreover, we realize that the local economy is key for all of this to be sustainable, to move forward. 
This is where the whole matter of the communal economy comes in. The communal economy ceases to be an almost artisanal element, to become an economy that if raw materials cannot be found or if raw materials aren't available, the commune can transform raw materials and commercialize it much better in a planned system. I insist on this point, planning, doing things in a planned way, so that raw materials can be distributed much better after they're transformed. I think industrialization, to quote a friend of mine who is a communard over at 23 de Enero, the industrialization of a commune, of a barrio, of an urban commune, is an imperative need in these times of blockade and war. We've transformed our barrios, our communes, our communities into industrial development poles. Even if it's operating from your house, I think this is one of the challenges we're facing right now. It's one of the challenges we're facing right now in the Altos de Lidice commune. How do we become more and more self-sustained through our production, through the processing of raw materials that we can develop through the possibilities we can find in this territory? To sum up, I think planning, organization, the territorialization of politics, and the industrialization of the urban commune as a productive development nucleus are key to sustained self-government experiences. The co-management between the state and communes, like Atos de Lidice, are often celebrated as well. What lessons are there in this experience for those who seek to understand, in concrete terms, how the bourgeois state can be replaced? <laughs> By copying our example. Right now, to give you a concrete example, we are setting up a brigade, a construction brigade which is taking charge of building walking paths, repair work, fixing potholes, etc. All the infrastructure problems that a community might face. What do we do? Well, there are two ways of doing things, and we've opted for self-management. That's, for example, how the maintenance and multi-service Che Guevara enterprise works. It's self-sustained through the monthly contributions each family makes to a fund, the so-called communal savings fund that's managed by the communal bank. The bank, in turn, assigns resources to the Ernesto Che Guevara Maintenance and Multiservice Company, a social property company which then assigns its resources. For example, paying the workers in this organization which keeps the commune clean, the water drainage works, everything inside the commune. Therefore, this is a subject that we've proposed to the state. It hasn't come to fruition yet. That's the ongoing dispute we have. What we want is for a large number of retail shops that do business here in the commune to stop paying their taxes to the city council and pay them to the commune's bank instead. At the end of the day, the commune has demonstrated its management ability. There is a comptroller's office and citizens' assemblies to offer updates and be held accountable for the use of resources. By collecting local taxes, we can be much more efficient than city council which has to oversee 22 parishes. So this is a very concrete way in which the commune can move forward and replace the constituted state by demonstrating that popular power can achieve what it sets out to achieve. In the case of taxes, for instance, the communal bank can be much more efficient in handling them. What we have been doing has been just with the people's money through the communal savings fund. Now, if the municipal taxes in the commune's territory end up in our bank, we can surely set other projects in March. Another construction brigade is building infrastructure with state-provided materials. 
Right now, construction materials are very expensive in Venezuela, so we're relying on the state. Therefore, the state puts in the materials and the self-construction brigade is repairing water pipes, for example. The brigade is formed by people that live in the Altos de Lidice socialist commune. These are demonstrations, just examples, but show that we could do much more because right now it's the maintenance brigade that's taking over the responsibilities that should belong to the mayor's office of keeping streets clean and all that. So, to sum up, we've decided to assume this position and look to have these competencies transferred to the commune. These are concrete examples that show in concrete ways that the constituent state can be much more efficient much more effective and respond much more directly to some communities through the communes than the bourgeois representative state. There are other elements to take into account. How often do you see the mayor of a given municipality? You don't see them every day. You see them every once in a while. They visit your community when they get the chance in a very tight schedule to attend to the 22 parishes which represent millions of people in Caracas. So you don't see them every day. But the spokesperson for some communal council instance can be your neighbor. You can find him or her any day, go to their house, have a coffee with them. Most of the time it will be her, because women take up most of the main spokespeople posts throughout the country, in barrios, in communities, so that's another key element. Having a neighbor that's a spokesperson who's close to the community, that's a key element that breaks the issue of representation, because they are spokespeople. This voice doesn't represent anyone, it's the voice of the community. Furthermore, it's an active voice, a voice that can be consulted and which is constantly fed with information at any time. In a municipality, it's very different. A councillor represents a number of parishes in a given circuit, and this councillor, no matter how hard he or she works, will have a hard time meeting all the communities of a given parish in a week, or even three or four parishes. It's very hard. But through communal councils and communes, we can build a government system that is efficient, effective, where co-management is the way we can build the future in a sustained fashion. A way that will generate, paraphrasing Bolivar, the highest possible levels of happiness for our people. That's what it's all about. Thank you for joining us. Remember, our on-the-ground work is 100% funded by readers. Please consider making a donation or becoming a subscriber by visiting our website, venezuelanalysis.com. You can also support us on Patreon. Be sure to visit us at venezuelanalysis.com for regular news and analysis on all things Venezuela. We're also everywhere on social media, from Telegram to Instagram and, of course, Twitter. This podcast is a new endeavor for us. If you enjoyed the program, please share it with your friends and leave us a review if you can. We'll close today's episode with Gino Gonzalez, Todos Nosotros con Chavez, from the 2012 election, which was Chavez's last before his passing. Somos del 89 el 27 de febrero, del 92 el 4 de abril el 13 guerrero. Somos par capitalismo, las lacras, los marginales, somos los que decidimos ser gobierno que nos cuadre. Nosotros somos los pobres, todos nosotros con Chávez. Mi esperanza 
mi utopía pues somos el horizonte y de la necesidad el pensamiento reporte que los sabios no nos nombren y hablemos los ignorares a los que nos corresponde encontrar juntos la clave nosotros somos los pobres nosotros somos la esquina, la parranda, el dominó, el sancocho, la sardina, esa callapa soy yo. Uno solo los plurales, nacimiento y despedida, los que ponemos la vida para que la historia cambie. Nosotros somos los pobres, todos nosotros Ni tornillo, ni la tuerca, ni cabilla, ni concreto. Somos lo del pensamiento, somos la gente que piensa. Ni derecha, ni de izquierda, ni concavo, ni convexo, ni corporación, ni gremio, ni anarquista, ni formales. Nosotros somos los pobres, todos nosotros con Chávez. Los que han trabajado somos para que los ricos coman. Los que te dejamos solo, este mundo se desploma. Nosotros somos la sangre, somos la respiración. Somos los indispensables para que haya revolución. Nosotros somos los pobres, todos nosotros con Chávez. Conuco no le gana una escuela ni en recreo, ni a la callapa tampoco monta carga ni volteo. Somos el cuatro afinado, el chinchorro y el casabe, el café recién colado y la arepa en el budare. Nosotros somos los pobres, todos nosotros con Chávez. Ni trabajar como esclavos, ni soñar como los amos. Es necesario pensarnos para saber para dónde vamos, para que desde la conciencia y no al borde del desastre busquemos la otra conversa sin poses de intelectuales. Nosotros somos los pobres, todos nosotros con Chávez. También somos el soldado, carne cañón en la guerra, los campesinos sin campo que han trabajado la tierra, los que juntos son los mares, el aguacero y los ríos, los que somos el género. Tío restio con el comandante. Nosotros somos los pobres, todos nosotros con Chávez. Somos el pueblo en guerrilla que con Bobe se alzó y que después con Bolívar la rabia le encarriló. Que con Ezequiel Zamora luego retoma el combate con Arevalo Cedeño y Pedro Pérez Delgado. Más santa somos bastantes con tu bisnieto soñando y por fin vamos logrando la patria que tú soñaste. Nosotros somos los pobres, todos nosotros con Chávez. Patria, patria, venceremos y el destino la victoria en el corazón del pueblo que es el motor de la historia porque aquí en este proceso nosotros somos la leña también somos la candela el agua y el condimento pero no estaría completo si faltara el comandante porque el alma y el cuerpo y aliño más importante nosotros somos los pobres todos nosotros con Chávez nosotros somos los pobres todos nosotros con Chávez nosotros somos los pobres nosotros ¡Oye!